NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. We start with headline news and journey into layered conversations, always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm Marcel Swally, dad dude. Yes, sir. And this week, I want to chop up some wood starting with us. Yes, us family right here. The more to it family, more to it mafia. Let's call it like it is, right? Yo, in three months, not even a day over, actually a couple of days short of three months, We already made it as high as number 27 on the podcast charts. I'm going to say it again, number 27 on the podcast charts. Now, any of y'all who read my book, y'all know that number 27 is special to me because the first game I ever lost as a Pop Warner football player wasn't to a team. It was to one player, number 27. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Nah, in all seriousness, man, I'm so pumped. I was talking with one of my former teammates, Ray Lee Johnson. Y'all know Ray Lee Johnson. Google the name if you don't. He was the other defensive end when I was playing for the Chargers. Uh, Tremendous player, man. OG vet to me. And it's crazy because him and I were talking about, hey, next steps. Make sure you stay relevant. Make sure you you keep it going, Marcellus. Make sure you're popping. And my thing was... You know what, Ray Lee? I got total freedom. I'm in a wide nine alignment, as we used to say on the field. Dwight Freeney style, you know, wide nine. Line line up on the sidelines damn near and go get the quarterback and hit the running back on the way to the cornerback, right? That's how we used to play. I got wide nine alignment right now doing this podcast. I don't have to have contain, coach. Like, I I can just do whatever I want to do, freak on the field and make plays, And they're going to scream my name. It just feels so good because you guys with your comments, your reviews. And yes, we are now picking up our reviews as a family. You guys are putting in those reviews. It's just going well. I mean, I'm up there with some machines, people that got podcasts that come out every single day on the daily. That's been doing it for feels like a decade. I'm going against the machines out there. And yeah, it feels good. I'm not going to brag because I ain't the bragging type, but. Uh, there's some people out there that frankly I'm looking at like, man, I look up to that dude. And right now on the charts, he's looking up to me. 
they're looking up to me. So respect to you guys for making that happen. Keep sharing it. Keep spreading the word. Because I swear this truth, this realness, this humility, this love, it's going to pierce through. We're going to win, y'all. Definitely. So keep it all coming. And, you know, like I tell my kids all the time, because I love to coach. Y'all know they call me Phil Belichick in these Valley streets, Valley Fornia, Encino. Y'all know. I love to self-scout. I think one of my greatest attributes is the fact that I actually could look at myself and beat myself up, but not feel beat up. Can you guys do that? Where's your biggest cheerleader? I hope it's not on the outside. I hope your biggest cheerleader isn't your best friend. I hope your biggest cheerleader is yourself. You know, the God in you, if you want to get biblical, but just the inner power. If you're just a person who believes in the universe and not the Lord Almighty, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to term it, there's something in you that you got to have the greatest relationship with. And that's what I'm talking about right now. So let's scout right now what we're doing. Let's self-scout this podcast. How can we get better? I'm going to be checking the comments. I'm going to be checking the reviews. But let me throw one out there right now. Um, How can we get better? We could keep grinding. We could keep at it. Not get satisfied. Don't get complacent. Get realer than real. You know, (laughs) one of those. Let's just pierce through this. Um, and, And not come off as someone or a show that has a hateful spirit. I hate these binary. Look at me. I say, I hate, I hate these binary shows, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat. You know, I hate when they're just narrowly focused just on one thing. I hate that. I hate when they make you make a choice, make you have to decide what you're going to be. Huh? Cause I told y'all I grew up and I didn't want to decide. I didn't want to be a crip. I didn't want to be a blood. And that was a gang in itself. Not being a crip or blood was another gang. How you going to survive? How to survive in South Central? That's how it was. And you know what? I had to ride with that gang. I called it F-A-Y, but even if I didn't call it anything, that was the gang I was rolling with. The one who wanted to make his dreams a reality. And straight up, thanks to you guys, you're making my dreams a reality right now. Now let's talk about some dreams that... uh some NFL teams have right now. How many teams left in these playoffs divisional round? That's eight left, right? Trying to make their dreams a reality of winning a Super Bowl championship. Woo! Oh, let's talk it right now. And first, these playoffs so far have been insane. And I'm in brain like crazy. I know we were thinking that, at least me, Sunday was going to be blowouts, three straight blowouts, I thought. I said Saturday going to be good, Monday night's going to be good, but the rest, boo-boo. Oh, was I wrong? This is the NFL, y'all. And the NFL is king. NFL done stole days away from (laughs) all of our lives and even stole Sunday from the church. I mean, NFL gangster. Give me that Sunday. Sorry, God. I tithe. Give me that Monday. Damn, y'all want Monday too? All right, y'all had Monday for a while. I ain't tripping. No, let me get some of that Thursday, homie. (laughs) Like, damn. And then they were like, why you at it? Uh, while you at that three piece, let me get let me get a four piece with a biscuit that, that Saturday too. They done took Saturday. What days are left? The only days are left, you gotta hit the club. Like NFL is jacking everybody for their days, right? But right now, watching these playoffs, and I'm gonna start where it hurt the most. I'm gonna start where it hit me the most. I'm gonna start with my chargers. And before the game, <clears throat> I never knew of this thing. I swear to God, I tell y'all like I know it. I never heard of a term 
a phrase like Chargers going to charge her. I never heard of that. I've heard of Clippers going to clip or Clippers going to clipper. I heard of that, but I never heard of the Charger one. Maybe because I saw him go to the Super Bowl before. What was that, 95 it felt like, something like that? Maybe because I played for him and I was just, you know, engulfed, just caught up in my own thing and my own success. I wasn't trying to hear nothing else, no hate. But I heard it this year, and I was like, damn, they got a narrative on the Chargers like they can't show up. Now, I know they ain't made the playoffs with Justin Herbert to this year, but is that an organizational issue? Is that a cultural issue? I ain't know it was that deep. Oh, but was I wrong, buddy? <laughs> it was hella deep. Goodness. I'm sitting there. Y'all know what I'm doing. I'm watching the game at the crib. Can't go to sports bars. One, because I lose my voice talking to everybody because I'm nice and I'm going to talk back. So if you ask me a question, you're getting an answer. And it's going to be too long-winded. And I'm going to lose my voice because everybody trying to yell and mack at the girls, right? So I don't go to sports bars. Also, my eyes, you know. I got to stay off Temptation Island because the fine girls go to the sports bars because the good dudes are there and then they're going to hang and the good dudes usually know who I am. And then there it is. Now, next thing you know, I know the fine girl just because the good dude want to talk sports (laughs) caught up. So anyway, my chargers up 27 zero. I'm at the crib sitting there with MJ. We watching. He's doing Legos and monster trucks. So he ain't paying no attention, but then he he tapped in. He's like, daddy is 27 zero. Goodness. I was like, I know. Uh, and he was like, man, I remember when he he said it early. He's like, man, I don't think that Trevor Lawrence is having a good year. And I was like, nah, this is just one game. And a matter of fact, he threw three interceptions in the first half. I said, this is just one quarter, one half, not one game. Be careful. Why'd I put that out in the universe? Damn it. <laughs> it turned ugly quick, quick. Oh. How you lose a 27-0 lead? That's what we're going to talk about on more to it. We're going to talk about it because there's more to it than just the score. I always talk about the two scoreboards, the dual scoreboards. There's one that's literal, one that you just see, right? You don't even got to think about it. What score? 27-0. That's one scoreboard. That's the one that we all easily digest. There's another one. And that one is psychological. That one is Uncle Momentum, as we call them, right? How you feeling about the score? And despite the Chargers being up 27-0, I didn't feel good. I was like, it's too early. Too much game left. I know the old adage. I lived through it. I've died by it. The old adage is, I don't even want to say it because it's going to be real, (laughs) but it already happens, so forget it. The old adage is, mm, prevent. Defense, they usually talk about the defense. Prevent defense and mindset. Prevent mindset is more what I would get to. Prevent mindset prevents you from winning. Yep, I said it. Yep. Prevent defense keeps you from winning. It prevents you from winning. Because guess what? When you get safe on the football field, oh, you're going to feel sorry. When you feel safe on that field, when you ain't mashing the gas like this is still a primal sport, like I'm going to kill this fool, when you ain't in that mindset, anything less is uncivilized. If you're in fifth gear, not sixth gear, trust me, either going to get hurt or you're going to get your feelings hurt because somebody's coming back on you and your squad. And that's what happened. We always talk about this fear of failure. Like, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up. But when you have a 27-0 lead, you're not worrying about fear of failure. 
This is a different issue. This is a fear of success issue. Yes, I said it. You don't know how to handle success. You don't know how to handle that lead. You don't know how to drain this clock. You don't know how to run the football. You don't know how to have the short outlet passes. You don't know how to milk this situation for what it is and handle success. Catch that wave and keep riding it. Keep surfing it. And that's what happened. Now, I know y'all listening to me. Y'all know me. Y'all like, damn, I hear you. You sound smart on this issue. But um, can I remind you? You were 0-3 in the playoffs, so um, what knowledge do you really have? You, Marcellus, and I, listener, have the same exact playoff record. Yes, we do. (laughs) Oh, that feels good and bad to hear. You know why it feels good? Because I can say it. I hate cats that can't even say their their issues, their failures, their flaws. I'm like, man, get your ass out of here, dog. (sighs) I had some bad teammates, y'all. I mean, some horrible teammates. That's why I blame it on. (laughs) I couldn't win any games because my teammates sucked. They sucked. Nah, being real, I only started one of those three games. And I got a sack in the one start. So felt a little good. You know, bittersweet. But um, I was a backup the other two or coming off the bench, you know, spot duty, situational pass rush. I don't know. Bruce Smith was in the building for two of those. And the last one, my body wasn't with me. <laughs> my left leg didn't know my right leg. That was in Jacksonville when I was just uh paid to be the reverend in the locker room more than the player on the field. But I was in the playoffs three different times. Let me tell you this. You think you know hype? (laughs) You think you know hype in that regular season? Hell no. It goes like this. Preseason, I mean, you barely turn the car on. You put it in neutral and just say, roll down the hill. Make sure you don't hit anything and don't get hurt, right? Then all of a sudden you go, regular season. And you think you're in sixth gear. You really do. You think you mashing that Rari. Until you get to the playoffs. And this is all all I can speak on because I never had the experience beyond that first round in the playoffs. Wild card round that we just watched and witnessed. Goodness. Hey, y'all. They out there eating, y'all. They out there eating. I mean, y'all watch them uh, the nature shows and the videos of the lion trying to get him a rhino or something. That. Just dust kicking up. I was like, shit. I was like, this is the same football and the same sport that I was playing like a week ago. And you got to step it up. You just respond to that intensity with more intensity from yourself. But in those games, man, it's not just about how many good plays. It's how few bad plays, right? It's not how big you're going to do it. It's all the little things. It's really that simple. And I'm going to get you all to the place where I think a lot of you guys went mentally with me in terms of playoffs. The Music City Miracle. Yep. I ain't going to cry, y'all. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going to. Ah. Woo, that thing still feel bad. That all bad. No bueno. Uh, let's walk through that Music City Miracle because I think we were down the entire game. Largely, if not entirely, because we started Rob Johnson. No shots, but being real. Versus Doug Flutie. We should have started Doug Flutie. I remember Javon Curse. Rookie year, right? Three sacks in that game or something. They playing super freak Rick James. No, no, no. This dude get he got so many sacks in our playoff game, like they played the whole album. Like, boom, no, no, no. We need another song from Rick. <laughs> I was like, goodness. I was like, he is killing us. He was so fast. I'll give y'all some Javon Curse stories, freak stories later. Point being, we're down the entire game. Then finally. 
we figured it out and we were up. And I remember looking at them Tennessee fans in that new stadium. It was new then. Like, ah, <laughs> we were doing the whole wave. Goodbye. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You know, waving them off, laughing. Like, yeah, we finally got back. We had one play left, and it was that kickoff. Yay. <laughs> I'm on the sidelines at this time because um, remember I told y'all the story, or will tell you the story, how Wade Phillips took me off kickoff team because I got knocked out damn near in Miami. And he was like, I can't have that happen to Wiley. We need him on defense. So I wasn't playing kickoff. But I had a bird's eye view of watching our kickoff team. All we had to do was kick the ball off, tackle them. It was a wrap. But what did we do? We kicked the ball off. And I think Lorenzo Neal got it first, my teammate. Low Neal got it first. Threw it to Whitecheck, Frank Whitecheck. He gets it. He was a beast, too. And then he's jogging. Now, he ain't fast, fast. He not even fast. He probably like, he ain't slow. He just ain't whatever. You ain't thinking about him. But he was running weird. I wouldn't say slow, but I was just like weird. And then all of a sudden, he just turns and launches it all the way across the field to Dyson. Eh. <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all one thing I tell my kids when I'm coaching basketball and football. The fastest thing on the field is the football. The fastest thing on the court is the basketball. You ain't out running that. So when they made everyone pursue the one side of the field, which is losing discipline on kickoff. You're not supposed to do that. Some guy's supposed to hang in their lanes, right? And have proper pursuit angles. But I digress. What happened on that? Everybody last play of the game. Everybody just trying to eat, right? And they all run to the ball. And this not fast, kind of slow, not tripping. Wycheck launches that ball 50 yards sideways. And forward. Yeah, I said it. And forward. Yeah, I said it. It was a forward pass. Yeah, I said it. MIT said it as well. But uh, he threw it forward, but he threw it 50 yards. <laughs> and I know get cats run a 4 5, 4 4 in the 40. What you running the 50, bro? 5 5? <laughs> Took your ass five and a half seconds to get over back over there. Too late. Dyson gone. Touchdown. <sighs> and they reviewed it. That was the most gut-wrenching, heartbreaking loss I've ever had in my life. Second, though, is my Pop Warner loss to number 27, if y'all know what I'm talking about. And I was like, ha! Now, going into that game, everybody kept saying, oh my goodness, if whoever wins this game is going to be in the Super Bowl. That's what they kept saying. And I was like, oh, if we win this game, we in the Super Bowl. Because the other two teams, and I forget who they were, eh, let's just say we had them. And that happened. Tennessee beat us. Tennessee made it to the Super Bowl. Who knows if it would have happened to us, but shoot, I was thinking that way. And all of a sudden, all of that is ripped away. You imagine that? Ripped away. Like having a winning lotto ticket. And you know you won. You heard the numbers. You see your ticket. And somebody come and rip it. Not just grab it. Rip it. Shred it up right in your face. Say, now what, fool? Next year, homie. Next lotto, partner. Woo! It hurt, and it hurt my Chargers as well. That was painful. So let me get into a little bit of these uh, NFL playoffs and have a little prediction because people be hitting me up sometimes. They're like, man, you're so deep. We trying to go there on all these topics. Um, don't forget how we know you, fool. You play football. Talk football a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, all right, y'all. I love you too. Jacksonville at Kansas City. Um, hmm. I'm going to break this down to like these, these lanes. Who's going to win it all? 
Who's going to ball and who's going to come up small? Y'all know me. I like to rhyme. Who's going to win it all? Who's going to ball? Who's going to come up small? All right. Jacksonville, KC. I say KC wins that. It's in KC. Y'all know what it is. Giants at Philly. If I had to bet on one that I'm like, I think they're going to sneak them, it's that game right there. That game right there. Watch out, Philly, because, you know, rest and rust. Not rest or rust. Rest and rust. We're going to talk about that in a second. Be careful, y'all. Since he playing Buffalo, in Buffalo. Maybe that was a wake-up call for Buffalo. People always think when you come off of something emotional, obviously what happened with Hamlin, <clears throat> and everybody's like, oh, my God. They're going to just come out there and be on hair on fire and just gangbusters and just smoke them. Mm. A lot of times it doesn't work out that way. You know why? Because you're emotional. You're still devastated. You got to get yourself back into that zone, get yourself back into that, that groove, right? So DeMar Hamlin die, almost dying can have both effects, good and kind of bad. Like you just, you're despondent. You're distant from the game. You're distant from your momentum. You're distant from your flow, your biorhythms. You're just not in sync just yet because you're still too thoughtful and too emotional. Um, but Buffalo responded because they were down in that game. I was like, what? To who? To what quarterback? Skyler who? Ben, stop playing. So then we got San Francisco, and I'm doing this podcast before the last game, so I don't know if Dallas or Tampa Bay who won, but I think it's going to be Dallas, but I couldn't be wrong because the GOAT is in the building. Point being, let's just answer the question. Who's going to win it all? Looking at this, it looks like KC versus San Fran, and I'm a Buffalo Bills Mafia member. But we got to show me more than that. KC versus San Fran, I say KC. Damn, you imagine. Get rid of Tyreek Hill and you like, yo, we better. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. All right, so they're going to win it all. This is just my loose prediction. I'm going to change it every episode, so don't hold me to it. Who's going to ball? KC, Buffalo, Giants, they're going to ball. San Fran's going to ball. And who's going to come up small? Of all these teams, uh, uh, that Dallas-Tampa game going to be interesting. Let me just say, I think Jacksonville is going to get boat raced. <laughs> I, think, I think, ain't Jack, yeah, Jacksonville, we're about, what was it, uh, Queens Harbor? <laughs> about to be on there with y'all boat. Boat race right to Costa Rica, or Cuba, or Cabo, or Cancun, one of them sea islands. Take it. <laughs> Jacksonville might get boat raced. Y'all know I'm, I'm Jag to the fullest. Y'all know I'm a former Jag. I just keep it real. I talk about myself. So, you know, I'm going to talk about my former teams. Just got to keep it real. Now, let's talk about this rest or rust because that's real. A lot of people always say, is it rest or rust? You always see that week 17 going in the wild card and teams that have to buy Philadelphia, Kansas City. Rest or rust? How about this? It's neither because it's both. (laughs) It's rest and rust. Let's talk about when you get out of flow. We were talking about it with Buffalo. You get out of sync. You just get out of rhythm. You just you just step away from it and come back to it. Oh, it's moved on you. Kind of like this is how you have to visualize it. You ever go to the gym? Turn the treadmill on. How about this? Let's take it another step. You ever go to the gym? Don't turn the treadmill on. Think it's off and step on it. (laughs) You better be ready. You better be ready. Because that thing is moving, right? That's how it is 
when you take a step away from the game because it takes forever to get into shape and no time to get out of it. And I'm not just talking about conditioning. I'm talking about how you feel about the game, how you respond to the game, how you're mindless in the game, that Bruce Leroy, the zone, the glow, ah, when you're in that place. So look at this situation for what it is. It's rest and rush. You're going to feel better like, you know, your, your body, your bones, your muscles, the physiology of it, physiology of it. You're going to feel better. But shoot, that rust going to kick in, too, because you're going to be thoughtful. You're going to be mindful. So you'll be like, yo, 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 because you're not in the exact flow that you used to be in. Some things just come to you secondhand. Right. And some things you got to work for. It takes a second to work for it. And hopefully you don't get down too much in the game while you're trying to get back into your flow. So I always believed in rest and rust, not rest or rust. Now, let's talk about the game and how you can play the game at the highest level. Because there's so many elements to playing the game at the highest level, right? It's not just are you big, are you fast, are you strong? It's also how well you play. I tell my kids all the time, it's not how good you are, it's how well you play. And boy, the emotional aspect of the game. Woo! The fact that when you go out there and you're mentally in tune and charged up to physically display your abilities, oh my God, that's next level. Let's talk about what I'm talking about. Kirby Smart's pregame speech was the most gas, the most octane I have ever heard from any coach in NFL history. <laughs> Woo! Kirby Smart's pregame speech makes sense after watching that game. They didn't stand a chance. TCU was dead from hello. From the opening kickoff, they should have just heard Death. <laughs> D-O-A. I mean, did that to a Christian school too. Jesus, no Lord. No love in y'all life. Y'all heartless. <laughs> Here's the line. Let me tell you why. Y'all listen to the speech for yourself, but I'm going to give you this and I'm going to quote it. Ain't nobody supposed to be cautious, he said. Ain't nobody supposed to be nervous about shit. <laughs> Go out there and fuck their ass up. God. I'm sorry. I hope y'all hear the kids on this one. Y'all know I only like to curse when it means something, but this meant something. This means. Matter of fact, right now, I, I don't even know how to build anything. I ain't a contractor or nothing like that, but I'm about to add on to this house right now. <laughs> I feel like doing something. Gee, I'm about to go fix the transmission in the old six tray or something. I'm probably going to get fixed that I sold to my homeboy, to my brother-in-law, Matt. Man, seriously. That is the most fire you can ever say to somebody. Like, go out there and fuck their ass up. <laughs> what? <laughs> he coaching. Some of them are not adults yet, right? I mean, they could go to war and, you know, all that stuff. But they ain't adults. They, could, they can't drink, but they're, you know, some of those are kids, right? Ain't no, nobody supposed to be cautious. Nobody's supposed to be nervous about shit. <laughs> 
go out there and fuck their ass up. And that's what they did. 65 to 7. Goodness. Now, I've had all types of speeches. Good, bad, ugly, obviously. And all types of styles. It started off with Marv Levy. And Mar- Marv Levy is a genius. Like, from Harvard, scholar. And he used to always bring in the wo- world wars and, and civil war into his speeches. Like He was big on the battle aspect. Men, we're going to go out there today as a unit, battalion, <laughs> with, our, with our guns and our machetes, armor. I mean, he would bring war to battle, which was football, and get it out of you in a real calm manner. But sometimes he would rile up. Sometimes he'd get a little amped, and you knew it's time to go to the seventh gear if we had it. So Marv Levy was great. But then I went from that, which was all right, good foundation. I get it. I get all these war stories to Wade Phillips. And Wade gave you his pregame speech during the week. Every practice, every rep was Wade's pregame speech. And it wasn't hype. It was preparation. Wade Phillips is just talking to you and just trusting you. He'll give you the in- information to give you the intel. All right, guys, look, I'm telling you when the back go in motion and they're on the left hash, trust me, it's always going to be the play pass. <laughs> That's it. Your ass better trust what he said because he's right. And that was it. And then he goes to the game. And, you know, no pregame rah-rah speech from Wade Phillips. All right, guys, look, we're prepared. They're over there. Whoop them. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that simple, but it wasn't that much more complex. And we would go out. My bet, my most success in the league was with Wade Phillips as a head coach. Best teams I was on, Wade Phillips as a head coach, right? My dad used to always trip, though. Fans as well, but my dad was the mouthpiece for him. Why doesn't he wear a headset? Huh? Look like a coach. And he only said it when we would lose a game. And I think we were 10 and 6 and 11 and 5, so he didn't say it much. But when we did lose, he didn't look like he knows what's going on. Not like daddy. You know, when we win those 11 games and those 10 games, he, he ain't got no headset on either. <laughs> Why are you tripping? Uh, like sometimes coaches get caught up in the production of what it looks like to be a coach, the production of coaching. <sighs> First of all, if you're screaming at all your players on game day, maybe you didn't do what you're supposed to do during the week. That's what Wade Phillips' mentality was. That was his mindset. If I'm out there coaching you up to death, and I'm up there right now yelling at you and dog cursing you. Maybe I ain't do my job during the week, Monday through Saturday, right? So I respect the Wade Phillips. Then I had Mike Riley, who was the nicest man who was ever created. Seriously, like, seriously, like, seriously, <laughs> this dude. Mike Riley, I remember we were in the locker room one time and he was like, okay, guys, see you guys tomorrow, um, 8 a.m. And then Junior say, I'll lay great, rest in peace, said, 8 a.m.? He said, nine <laughs> and junior was like mm. he said okay guys see you at 10 a.m and that's not to take a shot at him or say that he was soft but mike riley was nice as hell like he was like yo we could do the work why make y'all go through hell to do the work like heaven work this was heaven sent not hell sent right so mike riley i don't remember his pregame speeches because i was really good and really hyped when i had mike riley <laughs> so i got myself hyped i think i heard more mystical during my pregame speeches, there I go. I heard that more than I heard Mike Riley. And everybody who was on that team or around the Chargers at that time knows what I'm talking about. Boy, I stayed hype and I stayed with them headphones on. So after that, I had uh, Marty Schottenheimer, rest in peace, the late great, 
who was known to cry. Marty was known to cry. Kiss the ball and make them cry. He look at that. He just loved football so much. He was so passionate about football that all he did was just sit there and get emotional. Man, that little bottom lip fluttering right. Man, I can't even do it. Like, you know, like Jamie Foxx or Tom Hanks or something like that could do. Man. <laughs> we have to lay it all on the line. Nah, line. And you be like, all right, coach. And, and sometimes it was so dramatic and because we're not playing yet. We're getting ready to play. And you already in the space emotionally. Like we we will be there, coach, in the second quarter. But right now we not. We ain't even had kickoff yet. We ain't even ran through the tun- tunnel yet. And he was already in the second quarter with his emotions. So sometimes it came off like, damn, coach, why are you crying? We might win. <laughs> but we were suspect. At least my team was suspect with coach. Then I had Bill Parcells, the tuna. Mm. I swear it felt like he just got off set from some like big Hollywood blockbuster, you know, the mafioso. Because Parcells, boy, he knew exactly which buttons to push and push them all. He just knew how to play the room. I remember one time we were in training camp and Parcells was like on the on the bench with me on the side. And he's looking around. It's like training camp, so it's 100 players or so. And he just start. I mean, it felt like he had a rifle of thoughts, and he was just sniping every single player, giving them a quick evaluation. Boom! Oh, he ain't going to make it. Look at him. Look at his left hip. Boom! He ain't going to make it. I could tell he loved the streets more than ball. Boom! Oh, man. He got something in him, but he don't know it, so he ain't going to come out. He ain't going to make it. Boom! Oh, you know he a stud. I don't know why they overlooked him in the draft. Like, and I'm not lying. I fast forward four weeks after camp. Every single thing he said was right. But in pregame, Parcells was just more of like a little more you're prepared, like the prepared, but also don't fuck around. Like he was big on don't mess up, like make fast mistakes. Go out there and do what you got to do and do it right. But even if you mess up, you better be going balls to the wall. That was Coach Parcells for me. Then I had Coach Dale Rio, Jack, 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 Dale Rio, who I loved, who I don't think gets the proper due. I think some of his political talk, <laughs> he doing it to himself. Nah, he, he's speaking his mind, and I think y'all be killing him as a coach because y'all don't like what he says as a person. Whatever. I don't know all the details of it. Um, We'll say that for another show. But as a coach, I like Jack. He had a good balance to me. And all my teammates used to get mad at me, like, argue me down. He ain't no good coach. I was like, why? Because we ain't good. We actually are. We made the playoffs one year. I'm like, we ain't sorry. No, nah, look at all these dudes we got around here. Man, we should win more. I was like, won't you play better? We would win more. And they looking at me like, won't you play better? I was like, dog, I am not here to play football anymore. <laughs> these, this, these are my paid vacation hours. I am on paid administrative leave, but I'm here, present. <laughs> I was sorry. So anyway, I'm up in there. And those were like my coaching styles. Jack Del Rio brought the balance of discipline. And he brought the balance of like, I'm a former player. So like, I'm going to be strict. Kind of. But I'm also going to be empathetic and know what y'all going through and know where y'all are. Kind of. And he was that to me, it was a good hybrid. It was a good blend. But um, don't ask a lot of Jaguars to say that. And certainly don't ask Twitter right now. Jack Del Rio won't get his flowers. 
Now, let's talk about this story. Speaking of somebody getting something. Oh, these aren't flowers. <laughs> there was a pigeon. What was that, training day? <laughs> Mike Tyson ass. There was a pigeon caught smuggling meth. Was it meth- methamethamine? I don't even know how to say it. Methamine, methamethamine, because I don't do drugs. Uh, meth. I'm going to call it meth. Like, smuggle some meth into a Canadian prison using a little itty-bitty backpack. <laughs> I can hear them inmates now. It be calling me. It be calling me, Pookie. It be calling me. The thirst is real. Now, I know y'all sitting there like, how in the hell this fool going to make this story more to it? Oh, I'm going to make it more to it, y'all. Let's talk about the hormonal response and the thirst that is real. Because it reminds me of the times where I risked it all, my teammates risked it all for the same reasons. Just a different thing. Let's talk about sneaking girls into our hotel rooms the night before the game. The dumbest thing alive. The thirstiest thing you can do as an NFL player, but trust me. I mean, there were very few hands down. Very few hands that weren't up because everybody was doing it. <laughs> Go around do a league-wide poll, anonymous poll on, have you ever snuck a woman into your hotel room? Now, it's going to be 100%. If you go any level, collegiate level, I don't know, high school, what high schools, these guys go to boarding schools and stuff. So maybe them too. If you ask on any level, have you ever snuck a woman into your room? Every single football player forever raises their hand. But if you say NFL, I would say like 70%, 80%. Probably higher, but um, I'm trying to be nice. A lot of y'all married. So anyway... You know, I protect the guilty. So here we go. Look at my thirsty ass. Ah, oh, so silly. First time. Let, nah, let me not go to the first time. Let me just give you a general time. Because security would come on your floor. You knew it was 11 o'clock curfew, right? So you got 11 p.m. curfew. But being real, the game's at 1 p.m. the next day. So you got 14 hours to not only sleep, Recover, rest, chill, eat, warm up. What I mean, 14 hours is too damn long, Coach. First of all, I only slept four to six hours pregame, like night before the game. Usually it was four hours if it was during the week, six hours um, before the game, and I needed it. A lot of times I was nervous, anxiety, so sometimes it was interrupted. But let's say I was in the bed for six hours. But here comes security, 11 o'clock. You can hear him. You can hear him. And that ain't your door. Because <laughs> when it's your door, it's real loud. Right? So you're like, ah. You can hear them just going down the hallway. Knock, knock, knock. See, that's that was like stage one lockdown. I don't know the prison terms, but, you know, stage one lockdown. Just nice. You in there big time? You in there big time? And you by yourself or you and your roommate? Yeah. They wouldn't even open the door. But then somehow, some way. I guess them pigeons start having more meth on them. <laughs> Let me stop. Them girls start getting caught on them. Dudes start chirping. Something happened. Next thing y'all know, you in there big time? Yeah. Open the door. What? <laughs> okay, that's stage two. Here's stage three. Weeks or years later. You in there big time? Yeah. I'm in there. Open the door. Huh? They open it themselves. <laughs> But, you know, nobody in there because you ain't stupid. You learning the new stage. 
you ain't dummy. You ain't that crazy. But then, was it stage four now? This is the worst stage. So this is when you, you know, like they always talk about people who take steroids, they got to stay ahead of the testing. You got to stay ahead of these stages. Here's the next one. You in there big time? Huh? Come in. And then one of y'all, if not you by yourself, is in the bathroom. Why? Because you're trying to play it off. Because you're going to hide her in the, in the shower. You're going to hide her behind uh, the shower curtain. And you're like, yeah. And then he hit the bathroom door. You good? And now you, he caught, because he don't want to smell that ass, right? He don't, want, he don't want you to have open ass surgery and open that door. He ain't trying to do that. But he also ain't stupid. Probably a former player, a lot of these securities are. And they're like, all right, dog, you in there good. And that was the last stage. When you hiding in the bathroom or just got that timely boo-boo at 11 p.m. <laughs> oh, you up to no good. Let me just say that. Okay, so... When I heard this story about the them, them inmates like, yo, come on, come on, give me what I need. I was like, yo, I couldn't wait till the next day after the game, which I did anyway. You're going to do it after the game. You certainly going to kick it after the game. Girlfriend, wife, go to the club, meet somebody, whatever. It's going down that day. Sunday night. Oh, pfft. oh man, you should check. We need to check birth records and NFL players <laughs> like nine months from a Sunday after a regular season game. That's that's when it goes down. But um, I used to just sit there and be like, yo, we thirsty as hell. And especially me, I was like, yo, I don't I think I did it. Maybe I'm exaggerating like how I'm sounding. I think I probably did it five times out of paranoia. I couldn't do it more, <clears throat> maybe five times, maybe more. But I know I did at least a nickel. And every time, it was so nerve-wracking. You're like, you're putting your career on the line. Not really, because you, you, first of all, if you're doing this, you know you're good, unless you're stupid. So I only did it because I ain't stupid. I knew I was good. So even if I got caught, what's he going to do, bench me, coach? I ain't play for Belichick, so it wasn't <laughs> Belichick. Be like, yeah, I am, actually. Um, so that was funny. I'm like, I'm thirsty as hell. But it used to be so cool. Like, you know, yo, I, I, I. Hey, hey, all right, yeah. You good? You good? You downstairs? Okay. Uh, yeah, the room. Yeah, it's under my name. So just go get it. And then, um, yeah, yeah, room key. All right, yeah, yeah. And then you just come up. Yeah, you family. And she's like, why you put it under my name? I was like, I don't know. I'm not thinking straight. Um, Next time I put it under your name. <laughs> oh, man. But nobody tripping. They ain't doing surveillance on front desk. I mean, they, they don't even know Marcel's Wiley is. I'm a DN. Like, my name was Tom Brady. Maybe they'd be like, what, what? They like that DM. So anyway, you know, you get your family keys anyway, so you could play it off easily. Um, she get it. Like I'm on the ninth floor. She on the sixth floor, right? Y'all caught them numbers. <laughs> Six, nine. All right. So all of a sudden we got our team meeting, eight, eight something to nine. Then you got a little time left. All right, go to her room, chill. Then you're like, dang, y'all kick it, whatever. And then it's like close to 11, you go back to your room. Now, here's the here's the dilemma. Here's the here's the choice you got. Either you stay in your room, try to get her up to you, or you go down to her room. To me, it always felt worse going down to her room. I was like, oh, this is all bad. But I did that too. <laughs> I was like, because nobody's supposed to be on that floor that plays. And, you know, then they start putting security on both ends because they're like, y'all doing too much and we get it. So some dude got paid for 14 hours. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Like at least eight of them. 
from like 11 to 7 in the morning. Some dude got paid to just sit there. And this is before like, you know, fresh cell phones with the internet and stuff. Just sit there and play Tetris, I guess. Like sit your ass here, make sure no football players try to go downstairs and fly away like some pigeons with meth on them because <laughs> they horny. And that's what happened. That's how it happened. It was crazy. So all that said, man, you got to watch yourself, man, in these moments in judgment, because it seems like every story that happens, I just relate to it in some weird way. And that's why I'm empathetic in that way. Like, I'm not empathetic like, oh, you don't deserve a consequence or or sentence. No, you get what you deserve. But I'm empathetic like, yo, I ain't higher than you. I ain't bigger than you. I ain't holier than thou, you know? And that's what makes me think of these stories. But there's some evil people out there, some crazy people out there, right? And there's some horny people out there, too, with good intentions. So it was just crazy being a player and watching all the other guys do it, too. And and I'm just thinking, and this story came across, I was like, we are just like them inmates. We need our hit. We need we need our meth. And our meth was met. What's her name? Methylene? I can't even say. <laughs> Maybe we should just call her Natalie Meth. Oh man, uh, I got to switch gears and spirit a little bit. I saw a YouTuber CJ. Y'all know him. <clears throat> it's crazy. People be way more famous than you, and way famous out there in these streets nowadays with the internet and YouTube and all that. And you be acting like you don't know him. And they be like, fool, who are you? <laughs> CJ somewhere looking at me like, who? Marcellus Wiley. But he got shot four times in a home invasion. And I just want to bring this up because it's been a conversation in my inner circle. And I know a lot of athletes doing this as well. The 24-hour surveillance. Like the cat just sitting in front of the house, taking care of the house and the family now. And unmarked. Trust me, unmarked. One guy, I, I walked through my neighborhood. And I didn't know this cat, but I knew someone famous lived there. Um, it was right by, like, Wiz Khalifa lives, what well, used to live, one spot. And close to that was this guy. And I didn't know who this guy was. I was just assuming a YouTuber or something. And then one time I was with my kids. This is crazy. And um, we, wo- we rolled by the house and we rolled slow. And I was just going slow because the kids wanted some snacks. And all of a sudden, this dude just get out the car. And he was laying down in the car. Like, I looked at the car before, and it was just four empty seats. All of a sudden, some dude just rose from the dead and came up to me. And I was like, hmm? Oh, you know, my ego was thinking autograph. My ego was thinking, he going to talk some football or something. Why you ain't don't speak for yourself? <laughs> right? But then I was like, yo, he don't look like he want to say nothing. He's just checking me out. And then uh, he was like, oh, hey, Marcellus. He, he recognized me. And we broke bread and he told me what he did. He was security for that cat and was sitting there sniping, just waiting for somebody to come through. And he was looking for a car, a specific car, something like a black Sentra or something. I was like, you sure it ain't a red Honda? (laughs) Boy in the hoods. I'm stupid. So long story short, my inner circle is a lot of famous guys too. Real famous. Like I ain't dropping no names, but I got to protect them and their security. But yo, mm mm-hmm. You think it's just cars just chilling, all right? Somebody pop out that trunk on your ass and watch your head. But this guy, CJ, got shot four times in a home invasion. What's interesting about this one was when I read about it, he got shot four times and he did a YouTube video of his old house, like a tour. 
And then he did another one of his new house. And I think the hyenas just saw it and was like, yo, that's too much. High sign or whatever. I don't know. I'm interested in hearing what y'all thought about that because to me, it's no difference than the lifestyles of the rich and famous, which we saw all them people houses and home invasion wasn't like that. Or I got was on cribs and nobody ever came to my house. They saw they saw my name at the bottom of the pool. They saw the basketball court, the sand pit. Maybe because my daughter was in there and she was like, what, two or three at the time? Y'all remember that? Anybody seen my, my cribs episode? First of all, yes, yes. Yes, I was on Cribs, um, and, and I didn't have much time because I was on with Russell Simmons, I think. Yeah, it was Russell Simmons, which is crazy because now I coach Kamora Lee's son, which is not Russell's son, but long story short, Phil Belichick out here, he out here connected, y'all. <laughs> but my Cribs, you know, I put everything on display, my empty-ass fridge, and Top Ramen and Spam. <laughs> I was living. Nobody was even tripping. It was just crazy. So that story caught me right there. I was like, what's going on now? You you can't film from the crib, what your crib is? Or maybe he got some deeper issues connecting him to the streets or to those cats. And maybe it was just random. Like, yo, fresh house. Let me get it. I don't know. Interesting to see what you guys think about it. Let's switch gears and talk about something that made me tear up when I was reading this story. But I'm going to get through it. 13-year-old killed in a hit-and-run case. Two-year-old brother may be paralyzed on life support. Mom and dad killed. All right. My best friend was killed when I was 11. Hit by a car, riding his bike home. Now, looking back, What hurt the most, what I have not recovered from, and I'm trying my damnedest, but it just seems like I'm going to run out of time on this one, Coach. I ain't going to get this play down. Is how it affected me because it keeps me distant from love in its purest form. I have a gap. As much as I love my kids, as much as I love my wife, as much as I love life, and I love life, this is no fake in love in life. I am all in on life. But I feel that gap. And that gap always starts and ends with that moment I found out he was dead. Part of it was because he was taken from me. Part of it was because There was no notice. He wasn't sick. He wasn't ill. He was my best friend. I looked up to him. He had a pure heart, pure heart, like really nicer than me, way nicer. I was stingy. Every time we played with our Hot Wheels, I'd be like, no, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. He'd be like, all right. Then I'd be like, oh, can I play with yours? He'd be like, sure. Every single time. Like, Corby, woo. But when he died, outside of my mother's death, which, like, Snatched my soul away. This one, I remember I was hugging my grandmother. We had a track meet and we came back from the track meet trying to be strong. I wonder how I performed. I I think I did very well. I think I did very well. This is the time when I was super fast. So I don't think I messed up, but I don't remember it. I just remember one time walking around the track by myself and my friends like, you all right? I was like, yeah. And then somebody grabbed me. I was like, no, no, his 
his best friend got hit. So I was like, all right. So that was the only time, right? So anyway, I, I get home. We we running at Long Beach, go to my grandma's house, and um, I'm trying to play it off. I'm just trying to play it off. I'm like, I think you play it off because if you accept it, if you confront it, you accept it. Yeah, I think that's it. You don't want to really look at it and talk about it and go through it because if you confront it, you got to accept it. And I didn't want to accept it. So I was like, no, I'm good, Grandma. And she took me on her back porch, duplex. She had my grandma, my grandma, man, I love that lady. She was boss. She had two houses in Compton taking care of. Right, wait till I tell you my stories about uh, race and racism. My grandmother, uh, let me hit y'all with this tangent. So y'all remind me to do this one day. My grandmother used to take care of war veterans, including two white war veterans. So I got this different mental makeup about race because I saw people that were white that needed me and my family that was black in Compton. So I started to learn class and socioeconomics at an early age, not race. Like people need you because they need you financially more so than anything. So we'll get into that another way, another day. But I'm sitting on the back porch, my grandmother, and I remember her words so sweet. She said, baby, let it go. Cry for real. And that lasted for like five minutes of tug of war. No, I am crying for real. What do you mean? You know, I'm crying, but she's like, no, let it out. And I, she kept saying, let it out. And I kept saying, I'm, I'm grandma. And I almost was getting a little mad. I was like, Grandma, what do you want me to act like I'm hurt more than I am? And she was just holding me. She wouldn't let me go. And she was like, let it out. And she said it one too many times. And woo, woo, the roar. The roar. So when I heard this story, I just pray for those kids. Pray for that family. There's a sister still alive. Pray for the, all those connected to that because when when life is snatched away from yours and your family, your circle, like the post-traumatic stress, like I look at my family at times and I'm like, this is the worst feeling when you send them off to school and you're like, this could be the last time I ever see them. Like how many of you guys are like that? I am. I actually am way more than I want to be. I actually sit there and be like, this could be it. For me, sometimes I think it for me. Like, I go out, and I'm like, oh, man. Somebody could just run up in here, back, back, back. It's rap. I've been in those scenarios before, right? Who knows the next one ain't going to be the last one. Hey! I hate thinking those, those thoughts. Fleeting thoughts. I hate them. But I have them. Now connect them to that. So I wonder, especially those who have not had those type of traumatic experiences. Cause my, frankly, my wife hasn't like she's adopted, but she found out she was adopted at an early age. Like soon she had conscious thought other than that, you know, nothing tragic in terms of snatched away illness. Yes. Death by illness, but not snatched away. And I don't think she has those thoughts. Wonder if you guys have them because whoo, <clears throat> that is crazy. So I want to be more connected to all, and I think I'm more connected than most. 
But that's not my comparison. My comparison is not what you guys are, as your comparison is not who I am. It's what your potential, your capabilities are. And I know I'm capable of more of a connection with people. It's just when it gets snatched away, so hard to respond. Let's keep talking about thoughts. Let's keep going deeper with the emotions and the thought process, right? And make sense of this for me. There's a Texas prosecutor, a TikTok chef way. Here we go. Another famous dude. I don't know. You're going to be like, who the hell, Marshall? Blamed alcohol. Here we go, Jamie Foxx. Um, I, 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 for racist tweets about black women with dark skin. This one hits home. And I never knew how I was going to get this story out, but I finally figured out a way. And this TikTok chef way gave me the way. I'm going to nickname him Gamey the Chef Way. Let's talk about it. He shared a photo of a black woman. Boy, they digging up receipts. One thing about being um, a public figure, you're going to step in it. You're going to contradict yourself. You're going to be a hypocrite. Um, even me, uh, all of us, because your, your thoughts change. <laughs> you change. You evolve. But they hold you back to what you were. But this was bad even back then. <laughs> they digging up receipts on him. And he had a... A photo of a black woman calling her too dark, quote, unquote, too dark. Then he also posted a photo of a black woman alongside a photo of a dumpster comparing the two and writing that he saw, quote, no difference. Damn. Man. Okay, let's talk about this. First of all, we ain't blaming alcohol on this show. (laughs) No, we not. Because I drink and I always tell my friends, the more I drink, the more I think. Yeah, I actually do. And they believe me. I think they they like, no, Marcel does think more when he drinks more. Like, I don't blame no alcohol. Y'all ain't even about to do that. Like, alcohol, I if I had to narrow down the two, the two roads that alcohol usually travels, it's to take you to your fun and your truth. Yep, alcohol takes you to your fun and your truth. So don't blame it. <laughs> right? Uh, Dan Patrick and I was talking about this on, on the air and he, on air. He was like, Tom Brady doesn't drink really. So how much fun can he be? I was like, he's skipping that step. <laughs> Y'all drink. I drink. We drink to get to the fun. Brady arrives with the fun. <laughs> he don't need to drink. Right. Acho doesn't drink either. And I'm like, damn, and still be partying, you know, in a different way. Cause he cool. You know, like, Acho, like I sweat. I bring two sweat towels. I'm Acho just be chilling. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that new age, how they party. But um, don't blame the alcohol. This takes me back to my Uncle Benefield. Have you ever heard me talk about my Uncle Benefield? Rest in peace, Uncle Benefield. Yeah, he lived underneath me in my apartment building on Slauson and Edgemar. This man was funny. For those who think I'm funny, because I know I'm a little funny to a lot funny sometimes. Depends on what it is. I ain't stupid. I ain't cocky. I just know I could tell a joke. Um, I got a lot of that from my Uncle Benefield. Man, this dude was silly. Like levity, that's Uncle Benefield. He don't give a damn what's going on. He used to always say, eh, mm, mm, all these sound effects. So if I, y'all always tell me I, I talk and then I got a ton of sound effects. Well, blame Uncle Benefield, but he did. So anyway, Uncle Benefield had some sayings. Of, he loved light-skinned women. He loved the high yellow, as he would say. These are all his quotes. He used to say, now he's joking, y'all, but his life actually lived up to these jokes. So I don't know if he was joking or not. He was serious. But he was saying with such humor, you just be sitting there. And I'm young. I'm seven, eight, ten years old, cracking up. But I was like, damn, my uncle tripping. All right, here we go. He was darker than me. Like, 
and which is hard. Like we get into the box, we in the back of the Crayola box, way in the corner. Like <laughs> I'm the back row. Like you know that 64 or 128 box set. Did they even have a 256 box set? I know they had one with a sharpener, and I was like, damn, they got a sharpener. With the- you rich? You if you had a Crayola box with the sharpener, your ass was rich. But he used to say, darker than me, him saying this. Oh, baby, I don't haul no coal. I don't haul no coal, talking about dark-skinned women. He used to say, and he would say it to a dark-skinned woman or a light-skinned woman. Oh, two dead batteries don't start no car. And he's, this was one he used to say, too. Wanted to wake up the sunshine every morning, not nightfall. Now, oh, God. The women back in those days, when I used to hear him say it, they all responded the same way. They used to say, well, nobody wants your ass anyway. <laughs> and it ain't because you're dark, right? Like, they just be like, if you don't want me, I don't want you. And who said I wanted you in the first place? Yeah, that's how it used to go down. No beef ever. And I think that brings up an interesting conversation between preference or do you really place a stigma on someone like is your preference uncle benefield this tiktok prosecutor was he talking really from preference even though he sound hateful i ain't gonna lie preference or was he really putting a stigma like are y'all okay if someone's like eh, i don't like dark-skinned girls like it's, it's taboo to say that but then y'all so can walk around here and say i don't like short men <laughs> i don't like i don't like fat girls like pe- people pick what they can say that is like really disqualifying a whole lot of people and then only some of it is taboo i hear girls all the time say oh i don't like short dudes i don't like broke dudes what else they say i don't like ugly dudes right duh but if he rich well we make an exception right and flip it like is it okay to have a preference that actually comes out in display and through conversation like i don't like dark skin I don't like light-skinned girls. I know cats that don't like light-skinned girls, right? I don't like white girls. I don't like black girls. Like, it's weird that we pick the ones that we going to say we don't like. Like, that ain't rude to the other ones who are in that group that you say you don't like. Every time I hear somebody, because I'm 6'4", 6'5", depends on what I'm wearing. Somebody walking to me, oh, I like you. Oh, you tall, dark, and handsome. So what about short, light, and ugly? He don't stand a chance. <laughs> but you just shot him down. But then if that dude was like, well, I don't like dark-skinned girls. <gasps> oh, my God. It's like, make up your mind. What y'all going to do? You know, what you like is what you like, right? Right? Right. Speaking of somebody who did what they thought was right, maybe y'all don't agree with it. Mar Jackson bet on himself, but did he bet wrong? Ooh, let's talk about it. I got to just start this one off by... He just had a, a, a one of those cryptic Instagram posts. They they always say they're cryptic. And it's funny because it's one of those where you could throw rocks and hide your hands. I love it. Elastic language. Like, what you mean? You know, if you, you say you're talking about your contract, what you mean? And if you say you're not talking about your contract, what you mean? Like, you can't pin them down. I like it. But here's one. Quote, you don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you, too. That's right, Lamars. Talk your talk. Speak your mind. Say it. Now, this one starts here. Everybody blaming his agent. Oh, he doesn't have an agent. But Roquan Smith doesn't have an agent as well. He just got $100 million from the Baltimore Ravens. I digress. Y'all putting a lot on that no agent mama talk. Like, his, his agent is mama. Now, 
if his mom is getting everything proofread legally by a real lawyer, I don't know if she is or not, but a lawyer, an agent, by a hire, by hour, what y'all tripping over? I love my family to represent me. <laughs> what I, I don't know. That came out wrong. Maybe I don't know. No, because the old saying is, if you don't have an agent, you have a fool for a client. Y'all catch that one? If you don't have an agent, you have a fool for a client. Now, I don't agree with that fully, but I get it because I represented myself for the last two years, the good and the bad. And I can hear y'all now. <laughs> like, Wally, that's why your ass at home right now doing YouTube, fool. <laughs> that's not the reason. Um, but it can be misconstrued as the reason. That's why I want to bring it up. Um, think about this. Lamar Jackson bet on himself, which we are all told you're supposed to do. Like, confidence on display is betting on yourself, right? But it's trying times when you're in your contract year, and he's going to be in this contract year because of the franchise tag for like two, three, four years, right? The months and the time before that bet you placed on yourself is realized, whether you won or lost. Now, he can't lose in this one, being real. It's just how much can he win? Lamar Jackson can't lose because Lamar Jackson, at minimum, is going to get $160 million. And that's low, low, low. That's Impala low, low. That's hydraulics low, low. You know what I mean? He ain't going to get no lower than $160. But it can go up to $300, right? So that, to people, that $140 million difference is what y'all talking about when y'all say he lost. He can lose. I hear you. However, I also hear that he only making 27 right now. So somebody hit you with the 160 and the upside is 300. If you bet on yourself, let's roll the dice. (laughs) Let them fly. Right. So I'm looking at a situation like Lamar representing himself, his mom. His owner, Steve Bashotti, who I partied with before. Steve Bashotti, nice dude, fun dude, cool dude. Y'all are wrong for that whole Django and stuff. Like, who was that? Nessa and Kaepernick and all that? Y'all got to stop playing. That was wrong. Um, I don't know him deeply, but I was like, yo. <laughs> for an owner, woo, you up there, bro. He was cool. Anyway, um, this situation, if you're Lamar Jackson, like, how do you go wrong? Oh, you get hurt like you did this year. Well, Dak Prescott got 160 and he was hurt. Matter of fact, Dak Prescott probably got more because he was hurt and showed his value. In absence. So maybe Lamar Jackson. We all saw it. That goal line fumble by Huntley. Mm. Lamar value just went up from that play. Even though Lamar's done the same exact play. <laughs> He's done it before. But this is the summation. Not that Lamar Jackson would never fumble on the goal line. Because I remember him doing that. I swear he did against Buffalo before in the playoffs too. I don't know. But the point is this. If we almost beat, remember the last play and it was tipped around and the receiver almost caught it? If we got there on the road against Cincinnati, who was in the Super Bowl last year, with a backup, oh, Lamar, come on. The floor is yours. Go get that, right? And so far, from my perspective, this is just a real high price negotiation. Lamar has a style of play that you can't feel at peace with. Let's just leave it there. Not fully comfortable with. Even me, and I'm the biggest Lamar fan, but come on, dog. Matter of fact, one day I'm going to show y'all. It may be behind me. I got a bobblehead 
I think they call them squeezies or squeezits. These kids love them. These big old fathead little mushroom looking things. I got one of Lamar Jackson. My son gave it to me. That's love. Um, Lamar hasn't introduced ego into the equation, into the negotiation. So that's beautiful. Because once the ego gets involved, oh, all bets are off, dog. It's about to be ugly in there. So, you know, a cryptic message here or there. Mama represent me. Huntley almost did it. I think all that adds up to a great value for Lamar Jackson. Sounds like a lot of people don't believe in that. Why would you do that? But I bet on myself. Oh, yeah, I bet on myself. Right now, I'm betting on myself. Damn it. And y'all help me win this bet. <laughs> I love y'all. But it, when money's on the line, man, it gets it gets weird. Like, Philly, Philly weird. Like, ah, you just wake up. You can't sleep sometimes. My last year in Buffalo... They released Bruce Smith. Let me get through this story because it's not the focus. They released Bruce Smith. Marcellus is now the starter. Me. Ah, you know what's funny? Why athletes always talk to themselves in third person and stuff like that? Because we're used to coaches calling us by our names. I caught that. I always thought we were cocky until I realized, no, I call myself what I hear a lot. And no other profession do you hear your name as much, I think. Wiley, 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 Wiley on the play. Wiley, like, so you start calling yourself Wiley or Marcellus. So next time you think somebody cocky for talking about themselves, third person, they ain't cocky. They just echo on what they always hear. All right, here we go. But that last year, I got hurt in training camp, came back out, got my sacks, but boy, was I scared because the first nine games only had one sack. It was scary. Couldn't sleep at times. Woo! But I bet on myself. And I won that bet. I'm going to win this bet. But damn, going through that roller coaster, man, people, woo, they talk trash about If you listen to the crowd, if you listen to the chorus, oh, man, you ain't about to do that. You about to just take the safe route. Yes. Yes. Sir. Uh-huh. This is cool. This is good money. <laughs> Whatever you offering, I'll be eating that. Thank you. You know what I mean? Instead of the real, which is like, dog, give me what I deserve. What's stop playing? What the hell are you going to put up in here going to do what I do? nobody nobody so i love the fact that he's betting on himself and he really can't lose 160 if that's losing who tell me what winning looks like all that said i think i summed that story up by saying this lamar listen to yourself listen to that inner power that inner voice the god in you because people out here man they think they know what's best but everybody wants to go to the parade but nobody wants to build the floats. <laughs> this is time to build a float. Lamar Jackson right now, hammer, nail, wood. Was it mache, paper mache? Everybody wants to go to the parade. Lamar made $300 million. Lamar got paid. But the process of getting that, nobody wants to build them floats. All right, let's talk about something that was uh, disturbing. <sighs> when it's disturbing news, I don't like to transition into them because – I like the transition kind of like in jest and humor and like for flow and feel. But sometimes you just got to hit the brakes. <laughs> and I'm talking about them old ones, them disc brakes, the Monte Carlo 74 brakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not any lock, like real disc brakes, homeboy. Let's talk about Feezy LeBron and that traffic stop. Y'all see that video? Check the video out. Pause right now. Go watch the video and then come back. Make sure you come back, though. If not, don't watch the video. Forget that video. I talked y'all through it. <laughs> oh, there was a police officer or two. Come up to the car straight up. He's sitting on Crenshaw in his car. And they, like, just came up to him with the pepper spray, came up to him with guns drawn. 
And you see the video start there. Here's what I got an issue with. And we're going to turn this, we're going to broaden this to talk about two things. Bad cops versus cops that are bad. Y'all know the difference? There are bad cops. They just work for the force. They're just a bad person. They're just a bad police officer. And then there are cops that are bad. The difference being to me, did the force corrupt them? Like people always want to say that police officers are bad. So they got corrupted. Nah, some of them just bad people, just police officers before even police are bad. So let's talk through that. Bad cops versus cops that are bad a little bit. Woo. The first thing that caught me off guard with this one was, y'all keep y'all catch this? The police officer said, listen here, bro. Oh, I was like, this ain't going to go well. <laughs> How damn condescending can you be? Go up to a black man. And these weren't black officers. But even if you are a black officer, I don't want to hear that shit. Listen here, bro. Because when they trying to relate to you, they really talking down to you. You know what I mean? They really talking down to you. Anybody come up to you with this whole like stereotypical jargon? Like, listen here, bro. I was like, oh, this, he, done, he done showed his cards. This is all bad. Then he said, if you drive off from here, I'm putting one in your chest. Drive off from here and you're done. The dude that is the rapper, Feezy LeBron, had his hands in the air for like 20 seconds. Like, all right, what to do then? Don't drive off. I ain't driving off because I don't want a bullet in my chest. Sank that damn deep. So what do I do? Dude didn't say nothing. Just kept talking about drive off from here. Almost like tempting them. Like the temptation of you tell somebody to do something you don't do something you want them to do. You know, I'm going to say not. Don't do that because I want to see if you're going to do it. Test me, partner. What did Cedric Entertainer say one time? I wish you would. I wish you would. Right? Almost said it in that tone, that spirit of, I wish you would drive off from here so I could let loose on you. That's crazy. Woo. I've been here before, though. Different context, obviously, but disturbing video, man. Because from what I saw, officer all in the wrong. Like, handle that differently. Like, let the guy live. Your first thought needs to be, let me get to the bottom of this while making sure this guy survives this. Because I want to survive this. Old golden rule principles. Treat others like you want to be treated, right? Anyway, let's do this. I'm 15 at the time or so, sitting on a bus stop. I'm on a bus stop, Sepulveda, Manchester. Y'all know where it is, right? Um, I'm by Westchester. I have summer school at Westchester, I think. Westchester High School, yeah. Sitting on a bus stop, black hoodie on and all. All of a sudden, a cop just pull up to me and comes out with guns blazed. Get down on the ground, get down on the ground. Um... See, this is one thing I see in a lot of these videos. And I know it may be your citizen rights, civil rights, but I I was raised, cops say something, I'm doing it because I'm just trying to go home, <laughs> get my day in court, <laughs> not my day in, not my day on this concrete. <laughs> That's what I don't want. I want a day in court, not a day on this concrete. Come on, y'all. Y'all seen it. A lot of these videos, Caspi just like, Coming back at the cops, and that just you bring an ego into it. You bring it. I mean, look, even if the cop is wrong, and I'm like, oh, he gonna get his day in court too. I'm gonna win this. 
But man, survive the moment. Survive the moment. So they pull, they pull their guns out. Get out on the ground. I'm on the ground, flat. Flat. Guns to my head. And I'm flat. So you know, you got to pick a side when you flat on the concrete. You can't just go straight up. Your chin just about to take hell. So I'm sideways. And I can see, like, the horizon. I couldn't see up. Nor did I want to look up. Because I didn't want any quick movements. Because, bah! And I probably wouldn't have heard the bow, right? So I'm sitting here and there's more cops coming, more cops coming. And I'm not hearing, I mean, it's like silent to me, except I see cops coming. Gun to my head and I'm on the ground sideways. And I all of a sudden just start monitoring my breath. Like I'm in a yoga class, like do not breathe hard, heavy. And I know I was, do not get up. Do not sneeze. My biggest thought was don't sneeze. Like, because huh, huh? you get huffy, you get puffy, and then you, and over. So I didn't. Man, let me tell y'all this. I'm laying there, and it was unreal. And the first time I heard something, was the officer saying, you can hear dispatching him, suspect seeing something, something, suspect seeing, and literally off me, guns off, all this stuff, and they take off. And I, they like apologize, like, sorry, or, or didn't. I don't remember. I just remember apology was in my head, and they were gone. Now, no notice, no citation. Frankly, did they do anything wrong? I get home. My neighbor tells me her bank got robbed again. Where's her bank? Sepulveda in Manchester. What did he look like? <laughs> she a uh, beautiful lady. That was my best friend's mom. <laughs> she, uh, you ever meet somebody who just because they're from a different culture. Uh, they don't They don't always just say it like you used to hearing it. She was like, he look like you. Big black guy. <laughs> she was Vietnamese. I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, make, that explains it. I'm sitting there with a hoodie on on the bus stop around the corner or down the street from a bank that just got robbed. Yeah, guns are drawn, brother. Guns are drawn. So, <sighs> survive moments is my summation of this one and please guys please gals survive the moment have your day in court not your day on the concrete oh somebody that may have a day in court let's talk about odell beckham jr and that video i know y'all seen i know you seen it that was crazy Woo, odell i see both sides on this one this is gonna be interesting Okay, the first thing is, Odell, <laughs> I've been there where he's been before. That straight from the club flight, mm, tired as hell. But you're also a little defiant. Not with malintention either. You're not defiant like, yo, fuck these people. Like, flight attendants, I don't care about them. No, you're just so damn dog tired. And you're so excited to get that four, five, six-hour flight nap. Get it in. And as soon as you get there, you just crash, right? 
it's you lay the seat down to you like, damn, we got to take off. But I'm away from him to say something or you just crash. And I've done it. I've got on the flight before we took off. No seatbelt on. Got comfortable and crashed. And they waking me up. I don't know how long they were trying, but they were trying to wake me up. Sir, you got to put your seatbelt on. And you got to remember when you fly like Odell, he flies private. Or even when you fly like we do, charter. Man, we we ain't got no rules. <laughs> them charter flights ain't got rules when I was on them. They try to switch it up at the end, but they ain't have rules. So guess what? We do what we got to do. And so I think in those moments, man, it was crazy. Cats were like, um, tire boss, tire boss. And Odell was sitting there like, tire boss, I'm about to take this full six-hour flight, take this nap, leave me alone. But then you see it. You see what happened. The flight attendants were tripping. They trying to make fire firemen, police officers, TSA. They were like, dog, we can't do that. We just making sure he all right. He all right. He just tired as hell. Leave my man, leave my man alone. He's going to be on my fantasy team next year. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's crazy because not only have I planned trips like that, planned it. Like literally my itinerary was, okay, so I'm going to crash on the flight home because I'm coming straight from the club. I remember that side. So I'm with Odell, but I'm like, I got to be against Odell in this respect. No matter how tired you are, you are still in a position where there's an obligation to be compliant. You have to be compliant. Like, you can't just play by your own rules because you're tired. That whole flight, you know, everybody got to, you know, watch that damn video that we've seen a thousand times and know what emergency exits are, or at least act like you do. And if you're in the emergency exit road, you're going to have to say, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched the damn video again. You know, you can't be the one who sits there and be like, what? Or sleep. And when they wake you up, you either don't wake up, or when you do wake up, you mad at them for waking you up. Whatever happened. So uh, I didn't like that part because it just seemed like the, that he forgot the obligation to be compliant. Even if they were in the wrong, you still got to do some in your part, some parts as well to be right. Right. Uh, and don't roast the other passengers. <laughs> this is a lesson to the to the to the wise. Don't roast the other passengers, especially in first class. Them dudes, some of them dudes may have more money than you, Odell, and me, because Odell got me. So then they got you, Odell. They got us both. <laughs> or more power. Or just the fact that they're human beings. Damn, they ain't do nothing. I know I would want to say, and I don't know if I would say, hey, bruh, get off the damn flight. But that dude did. The one he called fat or something. He's, you know, fat ass. Didn't he say that or something like that? But basically, that guy. You don't know who that guy is, but you do know who he is. He's a human being who just is like, dog, it's 300 passengers over here, and there's one dude from the club who don't want to put a seatbelt on. Can you just either put your seatbelt on or go? I would feel that way. Now, I'm a little traumatized from, like, growing up where <laughs> I done seen arguments turn into death <laughs> so fast. I ain't tripping. I'm like, yo, they're going to handle this. Their jobs are to handle this. My job is to sit here and not instigate this and make this worse. But at the end of that video, when he was woofing it, dude and everybody, the little king of the mountain for me. Um, but they started it. He finished it. Y'all got to let that man, <laughs> y'all got to let that man be. Like, you knew he was dog-ass tired. You, and so my he ain't had no pants on. That's called sagging. And if he wasn't sagging, maybe he didn't have his pants on. But 
That's called I got a blanket on. Let me live. Let me let me let me let me be raw to the air <laughs> and just let it slang like I don't care. I don't know. I don't know. That was a wild story, though. I'm glad that the video came out because it changed how I thought about things. And speaking of video, there's some disturbing video going around and a disturbing story. Darius Miles was charged with capital murder. Y'all hear about this basketball player? Yeah, man. College basketball player. Oh, man. They played uh, Alabama, Auburn. Which one? One of them. Y'all correct me. But golly, come on. What the hell is going on? What would make you risk it all and shoot and kill someone after a club? Yeah, he played for Alabama. I had to look that up. Don't want to put anybody out there in the wrong way. Talk about this. What makes you risk it all? How ignorant can you be? Let's talk about impulse desperation. Like you're just going off impulse. You're going off instinct. You're just going off with no thought. And you're desperate. The story goes, supposedly, he tried to talk to a young lady. She didn't give him her information or number. And then next thing you know, he's shooting up the car. Gots to be more to this story. Because if not, what level of insanity? And I'm not saying it for a plea deal. I'm just saying... How insane are people walking around? Tomorrow, the wolf in sheep's clothing. He played college basketball. And this is what you do? Mm. Now, I got some familiarity with this in terms of recklessness with a gun. Yep, time to talk it. I got a gun my rookie and second year I had a gun on me, on my body. But I purchased it when I got drafted, after I got drafted. My boy... Potato, we call him, Adrian Franklin, just got jacked. He had a Yukon, I think, sitting on some things, something. And they jacked him off Crenshaw, where he used to live. And so that was fresh in his brain, but not fresh in my heart. I was like, yeah, I feel for you, big dog, but, you know, two different dudes. Um, I rolled the dice and just stay safe. And he just kept, we were hanging tough, and he just kept bringing it up. Like, man, they jacked me, dog. They jacked me. And I just got a little Yukon, and I'm like, little Yukon, that thing was sick. That thing was fresh. He was like, but still, they came and got me. What are they going to do to you? I was like, what you mean? He's like, you got all that bread now, and I know you're about to stunt on them. Look at you already. He was like, no, nah, we didn't say stunt then. What we? Oh, we did say stunt, huh? Yeah, this is like around baby and then stunner. Y'all don't say stunt now. He was like, dog, they're going to catch you slipping. So next thing I know, I find myself at Delamo Mall. In the South Bay, looking at guns. And finally got a gun. And we went to the gun range in Inglewood a few times. Woo, y'all ever been to a gun range? That'll make you stop. That'll make you stop glorifying these gangsters. That'll make you so cautious around guns. And that'll make you respect life more than anything. It's a gun range. Why? Because in the gun range... That's a safe space for guns, and you get to see people let loose and know how harmful it can be, not how harmful it is. The step before you know the destruction that comes from it. You see professionals. You see marksmen. You see people in their real SWAT team. I saw one dude with a shotgun slash machine gun. He was going, boom, boom, boom. I was like, huh? But the sound. 
the fire coming from the barrel. Like, man, stop playing with guns. As I, y'all know, I'm a, I'm a partner in the organization Argo, Alliance for Responsible Gun Ownership, that you guys are going to be hearing a lot about soon to change our imagery, to change our mindset around the gun culture, make us all more responsible, all of us. We need safer streets, safer schools, safer nightclubs. What the hell? So anyway, <sighs> she doesn't give him the number. Next thing you know, minor argument and shoots up the car, kills her. She had a five-year-old son. Come on. Oh, but I'm not holier than now, even though I don't do things like this, obviously. Most rational, sane people don't. But I was in Buffalo with a gun on my body. Taking it to practice every day, putting it up in my locker, which I thought was irresponsible. Looking back, certainly I feel that way because who going to shoot me at practice? We got security. We had a facility. You can't even get into the facility without getting past security. So mm, what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. That's the problem. So you take it from there. One night. I'm leaving the club. We used to have this first Fridays. You know you're in a small town when they got first Fridays. That ain't no L.A. shit. That ain't no New York shit. <laughs> first Fridays. <laughs> All right, what, what are we going to do? Go play darts, eat fish, fried fish, and play some pool? <laughs> exactly. What y'all going to do, kind of? Man, these small places would be their first Friday. They'd be eating. I'm like, y'all eating and playing with these, like, general population sticks and darts? Man, hell no. But I, I I quickly adapted. So I was at first Friday's leaving. And um I'm on a hunt. So I'm I'm circling the block a couple times, just trying to add them all up. Cause Birchfields was far from where I lived in Orchard Park. So when you're down there, you know, get every number you can, basically. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I need to I need to get myself right. Cause when I go back to Orchard Park, you gotta come visit me, girl. And we ain't got no Uber, so it gotta be worth my while. So anyway. I'm hitting the block one more time and I'm at a red light. And all of a sudden, this dude walking across the street. And it felt like it was just me and my car, the whole club gone. I'm that thirsty. I'm still out there looking. Got to be one more pretty girl here. <laughs> and then dudes, dudes walk across the street. And as he's walking across the street, he just stops and looks at my car. And I don't think it was my Lexus. It was fresh. And he's looking at it. And see, you don't take compliments the right way when you in the wrong mindset. And I ain't take it the right way. I ain't take anything the right way because I was paranoid. And I had that gun on me. And I remember as soon as he stopped, oh, that gun's coming out. So I got it now on my right thigh. And I'm just pulling it out. Then he looked again at me in the car. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Then he started walking towards me in the car. I was like, oh, double hell no. So now I'm like, getting it right safety and all that i'm getting it right and then he hits the window and i'm like i'm about my first thought was like bust through the damn door like don't even like reach because he could get me maybe first before i get him i don't know i'm like shoot through the door right now i was like you ain't about to shoot you know like what makes me think of police officers when they get in those trivial trivial moments like you don't even think right I mean, you, they're trained, but even those trained thoughts can be trained wrong. So I'm like, oh, so then I'm like, you can't just drive off and stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm thinking he got a gun or something. Then I'm thinking like, no, he ain't got no gun. He just want to know what's up. I'm like, I don't know. So I roll down the window. I ain't thinking straight. And he's like, 
do you know where so-and-so street is or something? He said something like that. And I was like, I mean, I just lost a hundred pounds. <sighs> oh, I don't know, big dog. I, I'm, I don't know. I ain't from here. I don't live around here. Oh, okay. Got right back in that lane and walked right across the street. That was the last time I remember having that gun. <laughs> For real. So I was driving off. I don't know what they call them. The big overpasses right by the Lake Erie, the water. It's a big high one in Buffalo. And I remember being over the water or something. And I threw that gun in that water. Now, that's ignorant, too. I could have just took it to a police officer, a police station. Got rid of, I threw that thing in the water. I don't know where I was. That was it. Why am I bringing this up? Because there are moments that are not rational. There are moments you can't fully calculate. And my impulse desperation had me thinking fight or flight. Like, and what if I wasn't in that mindset? What if I didn't have that gun with me? Would I even been thinking that same thing? Maybe I've been thinking like I have thought before in my car and a dude looks at me. Yeah, you like this. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't I take the compliment from that? So many pretty girls get into this. What's she looking at? Like, yo, fine ass. Like, what you mean? What you looking at? You beautiful. Oh, you don't think so now? You want to play that fake humility? You want to be fake humble right now? You fine. And? You could take the same look two different ways. What's she looking at? I'm about to run up on her. Or you'd be like, oh, people think I'm really pretty. Like when you see a dude look at you and you like the dude, you don't be thinking, what do you want? What are you looking at? You'd be thinking like, come on and step, Prince Charming. Come on and step. So, ah, man, I wish we would step closer to a safer society right now, especially with these guns and the violence and the culture, because it's getting out of hand. All right. I got to come back home. I got to bring this back home. Y'all seen that top 50 list? I think it's Variety and Billboard. I think it's them two combined. Top 50 rappers of all time. They started with number 50 to 41. We're going to go through this list. Remind me if any episode I ain't talking about this list. Get on my head because y'all know I love music. I love music more than ball, I think. Just couldn't rap that good. <laughs> about to play some ball. Here we go. Um, y'all know I DJ that dude, DJ that dude is a real thing. I DJ, I started DJing in 1997. As soon as I got the money to buy some equipment, damn right. And I was a DJ. I DJ for Outkast, Run DMC. Yes, me on the turntables. Kanye West, uh, Buster Rhymes, Ashanti, Run DMC. I already said them. Um, who else? Festivals, NFL, big events, Pro Bowls. Like literally, like before. Tiesto. <laughs> like, seriously, I was up there. I got Kanye story, me DJing for Kanye. Kanye crazy with that Hennessy talk. I'll tell you that another time. Point being, I used to DJ for the real ones, the big, big, big artists. I might get back into it too. Um, we'll see. But let's go through this list. All right. Number 50, Rick Ross. What? <laughs> like, you mean... Y'all flip the digits. Number five, and that's too high. But number 50, that's too low. Y'all saying 49 rappers are created better than Rick. Oh, oh. <laughs> My man who made national championship. What? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know what to say. But ignorant. Uh, uh, list over. <laughs> mm, list over. May Maybach music. There are not 50 
49, excuse me, rappers better than Rick Ross. Number 49, Rev Run. What? He made Beast to the Rock. Beast to the Rock, the Rock. That right there. Yo, come on, y'all. He made my Adidas. A Peter Piper picked Peppers and Rock Rock Rhymes. It's like that. And he's 49. First major star, group star that laid the foundation with the energy, the flow, the beats, and the rhymes. Are you kidding? Run, 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 run. Man, stop playing with me. Anyway, that hurt. Um, they put Rev Run, too. They ain't even put Run DMC, which is interesting, I guess, because they're going individual rappers. Maybe DMC is higher. A lot of people thought DMC could out-rap Rev Run. Let's go 48, Melly Mel. Okay. I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it. <sighs> Sometimes y'all ever look at the Hall of Fame of like football and basketball, and y'all see them old heads in there, and then you watch them clips, and you be like, hmm, the game has evolved, right? I I got respect for Melly Mel because he did it, and it's harder to do it first because you'll have nothing to copy. You have nothing to build on, right? No shoulders to stand on. But 48, I mean, like – I'm not even dissing Melly Mel. Of course, put him on the list. He's a pioneer. 48? That's, I don't know where you, I don't know if that's high or low. It's just 48? <laughs> and Rick Ross under Melly Mel? <laughs> Rev Run? Okay, Rev Run is closer to his era. Rev Run is under Melly Mel? I guess because Melly Mel came first. All right. 47, MC Light. Huh? She's top five MC for female, but she's 47 for male. Damn, dog. Damn, fellas. Y'all killing these women in rap then. What? That don't make no sense. Kick it. Paper thin. First of all. And y'all, MC Light, hot, hot damn ho. Here we go again. Y'all better stop playing with me. Too low for MC Light. 46. Now, this is maybe the worst one so far I've seen. Jay to kiss. Jay to the mwah is 46. <laughs> what? His lyrics top 10. We all know that. But he's 46. Make it make sense. Well, let me try. I think what they're trying to say, and it shouldn't be 46, but they're trying to say his songs and his catalog doesn't add up to his insane, sick ass flow. So I still think it's too low, but I it's way too low. But I think they took a shot at him basically saying, yo, y'all made great songs, but but your flow should have been me more. 45. And this going to hurt. Ice tea. Mm. Mm. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Adidas squeak across the bath. Gun, gun, gun. <laughs> I never gangbang, never wanted to, never thought it was fresh. But that song gets me the closest to thinking it. <laughs> like growing up, six in the morning. Because he said six, like the way he says six was so harmonic. Like, my teacher, she said, say, Marcella, what's three plus three? I say, six. <laughs> I used to say it like, I used to say six, man. And I grew up in the 60s hood. So I used to hear it all the time. And I think he was from 60s. I don't know. But um, he's too old for me to know. But yeah. Oh, come on. Six, six. Oh, come on. Anyway. um, I, uh, I need to see more where Ice-T ranks. Because he has some heat, especially early. And then it went a little different direction and rock and rolly, a little bit metal, it felt like. but. Whatever. We'll see about that. 44 is Queen Latifah. The queen is hyped up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, mm, doom, the queen is hyped up. <laughs> ah, what, what, what? I love Latifah. Um, full disclosure, I see her a lot. 
uh, of late, our kids go to school together. It's pretty, pretty fresh, pretty sweet. It's it's so good to see people you're fans of, like like literally Latifah in my ears. I'm like 11, 13, whatever it may be, bumping her. Burm, 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 burm. The melodic, I still don't know these words, but I'm gonna sing it. The melodic gonna kick your flavor. The Ari Bossy said, "Yo, Latifah, we can do this." That song still come on. It's a problem. Here we go. All right. So anyway, long story short. <sighs> Her and Light used to battle. Like, who was the better rapper? Like, Latifah, I think, got bigger globally, obviously. Like, you know, when she did UNITY, it was like, all right, MC, like, sorry, you don't have a you don't have a, a political anthem or <laughs> something that's going to get you that big. So you just keep dropping them deadly flows. But they, were, they used to battle. So I could see why they're kind of grouped together. But 47, 44 for two of the top five female MCs? Mm. I can't wait to see this list in full. Now, here, I, I'm going to get in trouble again. I got in a little trouble with Melly Mill. I know how y'all think. And here we go. Bun B. Come on, y'all. <clears throat> I missed the train. I missed the boat. Because I'm not from down south. And when I got down south, in terms of my listening habits, it was a lot more. I wasn't UGK. I wasn't A-Ball MJG. I was like Jermaine Dupree. Like, crisscross Cross took me. <laughs> yep. Corny. Call it what you want. Oh, well. Warm it up, Chris. The remix? Stop. <laughs> Uh, 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 boom. Come on, y'all. Oh, they got some heat. That took me down south first, like for real, from the West Coast. That took me down south first. I remember bumping the hell out of that in high school. But, whoo, Bum B, I'm sorry, bro. I know respect and I respect you, but I just didn't listen enough at that age. And then I caught something. I was like, oh, he, he kind of felt like DMC of Run DMC, but he's Bun B of UGK, kind of like that role, which is like dope as hell. Because I love DMC. I DJ for DMC. We actually. I remix Walk This Way with Run DMC, with DMC in studio. The video somewhere I need it. If y'all seen it, send it to me. Now, this is too low. I don't give a damn. I don't have to see no more of this list. Stupid list, stupid list. Red Man, 42. Red Man, ready to rock. I got the I got. Then pow! Blow up this list right now. <laughs> Jesus. Pure rapper. Pure star. Insane flow. Mic check. Come on, y'all. Come on. He got one more that's so hype. I forget it right now. Um, uh, dumb list right now. And I'm not talking about y'all dumb. Y'all, which I put on this paper is dumb. Y'all may be smart, but y'all messed this up. 42? Come on. Now, this is going to hurt some people because I've had to have too many arguments for this one. So this is going to be interesting how this plays out. Number 41. E-40, Fonzarelli, <laughs> Weeples. Oh, man. First of all, don't make me make a list because he's going way higher than this. E-40, that dude, a marinating on the corner with a chip in his phone. You could tell that the hillside was his home. Moke than the rest of the pushes because he got chop suey in the bushes. Uh, man, stop. But hmm, I know people that don't like E-40. One of them is my wife. Yep, called her out. But she's from Canada, so kind of like how I miss Bum B. She missed the E-40. She wasn't here in 92 when I was riding around the lake bumping that 40 and my boy Niall Benjamin's Honda Accord white getting every number. He had them things in the back. He had, I don't know what he had, 212s, maybe 215s. I'm thinking, I'm it. I ain't even have a car. He go to school. He'd be like, just pick me up. Pick me up at this time. Yep. I go up there, visit him, bumping. 
And I only bumped this. One, because it was Bay Area. Two, because it was so fire. Hurricane, you just got me. Oh, come on, man. Anyway, got to get off that list, but um, that list got me mad. All right. Speaking of getting mad, <laughs> woo! Ooh, we got a lot of stories left. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Man, we got a lot of stories left. You know what I'm going to do? Because I, I, I'm testing this out. I'm going to stop right here and transition because I don't want to have all these stories on here. And then y'all be like, yo, that shit was too long, cuz. <laughs> I was like, why? Yo, man, yo, yo. You know how many people used to say, young blood? Hey, blood? Hey, cuz? And then the people's cuz, like, people, y'all be calling me out my name. Basically, y'all start banging on me. Marcel, it's too long. So, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan, so I'm Marcel's Vernon Wiley. Um, I know it heard his go three, four hours. Um, I'm gonna get a response to this one, cause I'm gonna keep them going longer, but, um, you know, say some leftovers, basically. Food food in the fridge. That's what I'm about to do. Uh, before I get into it, I got to end on a fun note, and then we're going to transition into Tiki Talk and all that good stuff. Um, y'all see this story? This is funny. There was a malfunction at a casino slot, and this lady, the poor sugar, sugar, what happened? She thought she won $43 million, but instead she won a steak dinner. I am not laughing at you. I'm laughing at your pain because I would be oh, livid if that happened to me. She won $43 million, she thought. Then the casino was like, uh, what had happened was you getting this medium rare steak dinner <laughs> with scrimp on the side, the old sizzlers, steak and all you can eat. <laughs> Woo, that hurt. What would I do if that happened to me? I mean, you can't do nothing but just cry from the inside until you die, but whatever. <clears throat> Reminds me of a story. I was in Panama. I judged Miss Universe pageant 2003. Another story. Boy, y'all don't want to hear that. <laughs> and I was single, and I love to mingle, and I was in Miss Universe judging. Oh, it was a problem. But anyway, I went down there cocky as hell as an American, went downstairs, checked into the hotel. Went downstairs looking at the casino. I was like, look at this little piece of shit. <laughs> look at that casino. Like, man, stop. I'm about to hit these fools in the head. I played all seven of the blackjack hands by myself. Wow, 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 wow. 30 minutes. I look up. I'm 11K down. I, I lost $11,000 in 30 minutes. So that's $22,000. I'm down an hour. <laughs> and this is 2003. Oh, no, sir. Not me. That's as close as I've got to like losing money. Like not not losing money. Like I ain't have it. Like this is losing money. Like I was playing and then I lost it. She worse. She playing, won it, and then lost it. Like I ain't win $22,000. I ain't win $11,000. And then, oh, sorry, sir. We're wrong. Uh, here's your steak dinner. What would they give me in Panama? Here's your uh, plantain. <laughs> She got it worse because they said, what's the old saying? It's worse to not have it than to have it and lose it all. Yeah, I didn't have it. She had it and lost it all. That's why hers is worse. I knew I would get that saying down, damn it. Oh, man. So, whoo, that hurt. And I, the worst thing I ever seen 
is one flight from Buffalo to Miami. One of my teammates got hit in the head for one hundred seventy thousand dollars. One hundred and seventy thousand dollars in three hours. That's what three four hour flight, I guess. <laughs> They were playing that game, Boo-Ray. I've never played it, but every time I hear that or I tell somebody about that game, they're like, ooh, that's how you lose that money. Yeah, they were playing Boo-Ray. Got, 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 got. I remember he had to write a check. They, they kept sweating. Hey, hey. He come to practice. They'd be like, hey, dog. He'd be like, yo, so what's the play? And they'd be like, uh, my 170K. <laughs> hey, hey, we in cover two? Nah, we in 170K too. <laughs> they finally got their money, obviously. But damn, he didn't want to pay that. I, I think he was hoping they were just going to play that teammate rule and we forget, but not them big old dudes about that money. They ain't forget Jack. Um, and I want to just say thank you guys, man, because <sighs> I have videos out there now. You guys starting to see I'm putting out content. I've been wanting to do this for years and my lazy ass. Nah, um, it's a process, you know, it's not a destination. It's a journey. And I'm finally like revealing more of me and you guys have been responding amazing to it. Like amazing responses. But, um, these videos, I I read the comments. I try to read them all, but I I know I don't, there's so many of them, but I read a lot of them and I try to navigate based on what y'all say too. I take it in, you know, y'all, y'all on this team with me and just letting y'all know, I have no beefs with anybody. Uh, maybe I don't know the word beef like y'all know beef because uh, I'm not a fighter. So beef to me is just like me and you disagree for real. But I think beef to y'all means like, yo, we fighting or we going to maybe shoot each other or stab each other. I don't know. But there's the video of me beefing or having beef with all my ESPN and Fox sports people. I just gave y'all the list of times where we had arguments, disagreements, spats. Maybe I should have said spats. That's amazing. I worked in that industry for 20 some years and I only got like eight stories. <laughs> Actually, I got more, but eight times where, and I wasn't the cause of any of them. <laughs> there was just like times where it's like, oh, we're not on the best of terms for some reason. Maybe I should have turned to that. We're not on the best of terms for some reason, not beefs. So letting y'all know I have no beefs. Okay. Um, no fights, no issues. I talked to every single person I talked about on there. And if I don't talk, except Adam Schefter, not just because he lived way out there, but if I saw Adam, hey, Super Bowl, I see Adam, what's up? If he got beef, <laughs> then I'm going to make another video. Nah, I'm just playing. I don't have any issues with any of them guys. Um, and another thing that I caught is, uh, like, I got to explain fully, like, my love for Willie McGinnis, because I do not want that loss. Um, in any of these videos, videos different than audio too. I've learned that because I used to do radio and then I did TV and I love my radio audience more than my TV audience. Cause radio, they listen, y'all listen TV. They just be hearing like, oh, what is Did he just say? And then he run into the keyboard to say something. Willie McGinnis has saved my life a couple of times. Um, and I wanted to emphasize that to give him some positive remarks about his character. Um, also to talk good about him because that video right now is not saying anything good about Willie McGinnis, no matter what his motivation and intention was. And that was my intention. If it came across on video, like some people like, man, you dry snitching, or as I like to call it, wet snitching, not doing that. Um, and what I say, it can't be held in 
and court of law. Y'all watch too many law and orders. What I said can't be used. Um, police officers I've talked to about this situation before as well. I would never put Willie in harm's way because he saved me several times from harm's way. So number love for Willie Mac. I just don't want things misconstrued. And if I messed up, I messed up. If I didn't, I didn't. But in this one, I didn't. But I understand where y'all coming from. Y'all like, oh, that's your boy. Why are you talking about it? Because I talk about the truth, including myself. All right. Jordan Peterson told me this. And I'm pumped to go see Jordan Peterson. He's coming to L.A. Um, I'll tell y'all about that. Um, that dude, that dude's smart. Goodness. Agree, disagree. I don't know why y'all tripping. Just get to do his flowers. He's smart. Um, uh, the thing about it is when I'm talking about anybody, I'm just trying to learn or unlearn. And I put myself out there first and foremost. Um, so I got to make sure. But Jordan Peterson said, be precise with your words. One of the things he's learned since he blew up, it felt like overnight sensation, but you know, it's been years. Be precise with your words. And that's a mission I'm on as well. I'm not always precise with my words. You know, I'm silly. I like to laugh. I don't give a damn. I'm real honest. I'm brutally honest with myself. So y'all all going to get it. <laughs> y'all better stop playing. And speaking of getting it, let's get to some Tiki talk. Tiki talk. Where's the Tiki Talk? Here's the Tiki Talk question today. Would you rather have more time or more money? Wow. This used to be a hard question to answer. Used to always be more money. But now I'm getting older. I'm in the third quarter of this game of life. It feels like, what am I, 48? So, you know, halftime is 96. I don't know about that, mama. <laughs> but I want more. I want more time. I want more time. I want to live forever. Even if I'm unconscious, laying there veggie. I, I look like a bag of stir fry, just veggied out. Just a festival. Do not pull the plug. Now I'm saying that now, but I think I will have some level of conscious, you know, consciousness. I'm like, I might be deep, 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 deeply still aware. Y'all just don't know it with y'all dumbass measurements and dumbass equipment. <laughs> Imagine somebody sitting there on their deathbed like, yo, bro. Chill. But all you see is beep, beep, beep. He like, chill. Like, do not disconnect. Mm. I got a serious story about that. I'll, I'll tell you one time. I had to pull the plug on my grandmother. Woo! Tell y'all another time. Not about to end on that note. Um, <clears throat> hashtag ask that dude. Hashtag ask that dude on Twitter. Here's the question for today. Marcellus, we finally gonna are you gonna ah, these fools? Are you gonna make your screen debut on Snowfall FX? This is the final season. Man, it's crazy because like I really survived the real snowfall. <laughs> like I survived the 80s in LA. Like I survived the real snowfall. Why I need to be on some set acting? Nah, I wish I would. I wish I could. Um there were talks of me doing it and showing up, and I know Trevor Engelson, who uh Y'all may not know he's a producer on the show. I think an executive producer, too. I met him at a bar. I met him at um, Morton's or something at the bar. Cool cat. Real cool cat. Big heart. Does a lot of work in the, in the community. Big, big heart. And I'm going to tell because you know I got to tell the truth. It's going to come off as a gossip. I'm, I'm going to start sounding like a gossiper. But I don't give a damn. I got to tell y'all my stories. And if it's a bad story, I do not tell their name. But if it's a good story, oh, well, you just got to take it. I don't care if you damn feel ashamed. That he's Meghan Markle's first husband. Isn't that crazy? I'm sitting there at this bar and I'm talking to this dude and he's, he over here. Ah, this is crazy. I'm sitting there talking about snowfall at a bar with my boys, how much I love the show. And he's like, 
excuse me, I hate to interrupt, but um, uh, you're talking about my show. And I looked at him. I'm like, that ain't John Singleton. Uh, rest in peace, my homie. Um, and I was like, what well, is your show? And he's like, yeah, I'm a producer on Snowfall. And I lost it. Oh, I became a groupie. Oh, oh. <laughs> then we talk. Then my boys, they listening, they ear hustling. They, oh, that's cool. So then they do the Google like girls do when they find out, girl, who he play for? <laughs> um, and they were like, yo, he was married to Meghan Markle first. Yep. Now, if you look him up and then see her, was it Prince Harry she with? You'll see this. You'll see the similarities. You'll see she got a type. All right, let's get to Wileyisms. My last segment. Oh, the Wileyism for today's episode is only imperfect examples of perfect exist. I like that one. Only imperfect examples of perfect exist. Man, my wife is a perfectionist. I mean, she really tries. And she's gonna fail because <laughs> we're imperfect. I just laugh when she tried to do she does amazing things around this house. She does amazing things in her life, but she wants to do them perfectly. And I'm like, baby, that's just setting you up for failure. Not me. I build in the hurdles. I build in the failures into every equation I do. Damn right. I do. So my wife is hilarious, but the imperfect examples of perfection is what we're seeking, right? You know, I played football. There was never a perfect game. My best game was not perfect. My, the test was perfect. I've gotten a hundred percent on the test before, but then in the in the course, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> uh, I got some ninety sevens. I got some eighty eights. I got some sixty fours. You know, nothing's perfect. So, imperfect examples of perfection exist. Keep that in mind when you're going through this world. Be easy on yourself. Make sure your biggest cheerleader in your life is yourself. Big pom poms between your ears. Go, you go. Not listening for other people to cheer you on more than you cheer yourself on. Remember, only imperfect examples of perfect exist. All right. That's going to do it for more to it. Whoa. Almost under two hours. Yes. Yes. We are under two hours. I love it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today. You want to keep the conversation going? I know you do. Let's talk. You can find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, that's me, and Workhouse Media. show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley, Paul Anderson, and Nick Panella. I'm Marcellus Wiley, your boy, That Dude. Thanks for listening, and keep the reviews coming. I'm loving y'all. I'm loving y'all. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to you next week, and before I say that last word, I am creating another show. First of all, Never Shut Up is out on Brinks TV. Go to Brinks TV right now and check out my first episode of Never Shut Up. But I'm creating this show. And I'm going to tell y'all about this show because y'all going to be a part of it. It's the sickest show. Not more to a podcast, which I love to death. This is that. Not Never Shut Up, which is insane. Go check out the first episode on Brinks TV. But wait till I show you my next one and y'all going to be a part of it on Brinks TV. Talk to y'all next week. Go. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.